I don't know. Some days I'm just kind of like, man, Lord, thank you for allowing me to be with my church family one more time. Um, I think I may have mentioned this. Uh, I'm assuming, Brother Allen, you know about this. Brother, Pastor Bob Campbell uh, out of Divide, Colorado, um, is, uh, um, are we streaming? Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) Um, So if you would pray for uh, Brother Campbell and Divide, um, was given uh, just, yeah, three to six months and there's a, there's a lot going on for that family and for that church. So you pray for New Beginnings Baptist Church and for the Campbell family. And I guess what I'm thinking about is that um, you never know when that doctor may give you that report. You never know when you might get that phone call. And everything in your life could change just like that. And um, I am truly, I'm not just saying I'm thankful to be with you guys tonight. I am. You know, it's a real blessing. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. I'll ask you to stand with me. Stand with me if you would. Hebrews chapter number 5. Talking about music. And we're going to keep going down this road. Uh, right now, it's, it's a, a lot of foundational stuff. And, um, you know, I, I think what, what I hope you're seeing is that it's not really just about music. Uh, yeah, obviously, music is the theme, and it's about how you respond to it. As a, the title of our series is The Bible Believer's Response to Music. So the first thing you've got to figure out is, do I actually believe the Bible is God's Word? Do, do I take it as my authority in life? Um, and what we spend a lot of time talking about is the fact that when it comes to this subject, people have a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings and maybe a lot of preferences and maybe even some prejudices uh, based on how you're raised, your culture, whatever else. And what we're trying to do is go, okay, but what does God say about it? What, what does God say? The Bible is not silent about music. If you think it is, all right, hopefully by the end of this, you'll understand it's not. Uh, we went through the fact that the, the music is not uh, moral. Music has moral quality, just like language does, because music is another form of communication, amen? Talked about the old nature, the new nature, and how you've got emotions, And just because you have emotions doesn't mean they're all always good, right? And emotions aren't all bad either, Uh, but you cannot allow your life to be dictated and your decisions made on what is right and wrong in your life based on how you feel. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter number five, Hebrews chapter five, and and, uh, the the author of Hebrews is, is going through some things toward the end of the chapter that I think are very important to point out uh, in this study in particular. Look at Hebrews five. In verse number 12, when you got saved, God did not just want you to stay a baby for the rest of your life. There's nothing wrong with being a baby when you first get saved. All right, the biblical word is a babe in Christ. Now, for you young men, it doesn't mean like, well, she's a babe in Christ. That's not what that means, all right? It means that, that they are a newborn babe or a baby. A spiritually, you're in spiritual infancy when you first get saved. God designed it that way. But over time, you should grow. So look what it says in verse number 12. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? All right. But look at verse 14. But strong meat belongeth, this is meat lovers night, amen, but strong meat belongeth to them 
that are of full age. Now, those of you that are getting older, don't say I'm old. Say I am of full age. <laughs> Amen. Don't feel bad about it either. That's a good thing. Uh, that means you, you are smart enough to survive on this planet. Amen. But the grace of God, even those, now this is what I want you to keep kind of the focus on toward the end of this verse, even those who by reason of use have their what? And what's the next word? To discern both what? Mm. So, so what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight on, in the entranceway of this, of this study is how you need to exercise your spiritual senses in order to understand whether something is right or wrong. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Joe, if you would. Music man, if you would go ahead and open us up, brother. Yes. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Uh, do you know what you have to have in your car for your, uh, for your cabin, the inside of the vehicle, which is where you spend all your time, all right? I don't know anybody that travels in the engine side very much, but uh, you're on the inside of the vehicle. You want to have uh, an air filter so that the air that's flowing in there does not make you sick. If you breathe the stuff the way that it happened in the engine or all the dirt and all the gunk, that, that the elements from the outside, if you have no filter, everything comes in. When you have no filter spiritually, emotionally, mentally, everything comes in. That's why some of you come to church and you're like this. You're staring at me, but man, you're on Disney Plus or you're on Hulu. You're somewhere else. I don't know where you're at, but you're not always here. The reason why is the filter's jammed up. Or you've taken the filter completely out, and there's nothing guarding what's coming in, and everything's coming in. You know what's, getting, you know what's happening? This is getting clogged up. So you no longer see things the way you ought to. You no longer feel things the way you ought to. And, and, and listen, when it comes to certain elements of the senses, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, certain of the senses are the ones that are taking things in, and certain of your senses are the ones that are putting things out. And if you don't have your, listen to me, spiritual senses exercised, you will not be able to discern that which is good and that which is evil. And this goes for every area of, of your life. Relationships. Is this right or is there something that happens when you get around certain people, and you know what I'm talking about, all of a sudden your stomach kind of tightens up and you're kind of like, I don't know if I should be around this, but I'm going to keep smiling, I'm going to keep hanging out. And the Holy Spirit, I was going, get out of here now. But if you don't have your spiritual senses exercised, you kind of just float along with that. And before you know, I, this is what I, I hear this all the time from parents of young people. My kid got in the wrong crowd. You know, what I've never found I've never found the wrong crowd because everyone talks about their kid following in the wrong crowd, but no one's ever said my kid is the wrong crowd because we don't like to admit that we there's something wrong with us. 
But when you don't have any kind of gatekeeper on what's coming in and everything comes in unchecked, let me, let me tell you, I don't want to be political at all tonight, so let's not talk about a wall around the country, all right? Let's not do that. Let me talk about something you have at your house. It's called a door with a lock. Do you have that on your door, on your house? Because you hate every outsider there's ever been. You know everyone out there is evil. And so that's why you, you just hate every. No, that's not why you do it. You do it to keep the people inside safe. You've got to have things, there have to be mechanisms in your life where you go, I can't just allow the flow of everything and anything in. Let me use a current recent event illustration. Uh, we had, uh, I, I've been noticing, I was coming in the parking lot, noticing that under the tree there was kind of like a, uh, you know, it looks kind of like, you know, Smurf Village, something's going on over there. And, and, and let me just say this right now. I am not here to make fun of homeless people or anything like that at all. My heart goes out to them, but I'll also say this. There are people in great positions of power that use the fact that they have people out there like that so that they can get votes and things like that. And what you're seeing in our city around us is literally, listen, when you throw the Bible out and you throw God out and everything else, man, you Katie bar the door. You're in trouble. And I'm telling you right now, our country's in trouble. Our cities are in trouble. I started to notice that there was, there was someone kind of living over there. I don't think to myself, dirty homeless person, I hope I don't get there. I don't think that. You know, we've brought food to people that have been out here. We have tried to talk to people. We've invited people to church that are out there. So don't take what I'm about to say and go, you just, ju-. no, not at all. I would venture to say I've probably spent a lot more time talking to homeless people on the streets than most people in the street. I'm not saying out of pride. I'm saying out of just being in public ministry. So I know a little bit about what I'm talking about right now. But let me just say this. When I don't know who that is, and I have no way to identify them, it could be a problem. Can we agree on that? All right. So one thing that's nice about your neighbor is, you know, you may think they're a total weirdo. At least you know where to find them and where it's in the cops. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I did that one time. Um, but you know what happened is I, I called the people at the bank and I said, look, I don't know. They could be the greatest person in the world, but we got kids running around here. And my job is to look out for my church. You know what I found out? They had to have the police come out here because that person had a warrant for their arrest. You guys excited about knowing your kids were out there? Do, do, you, do you know why it's important that you understand what's around you? Because if you don't have a filter in your life, you have no idea what's just outside the gate. And you need to understand this. The, the, the Bible speaks of Job in his life. And how the devil tried to get into his life. Let me ask you this. Is not Job a great picture of a suffering servant of God? If you're a born again child of God, I understand Job is a type of Israel and all that kind of stuff. But let me just boil it down to where you're at right now as a child of God in 2022. There are places in your life that the devil would like to get in. And he sees that, listen, unless I can get past this defense mechanism in their life, I don't have a shot in. But when that defense mechanism is removed, man, he jumps right in there as soon as he can. You've got to build those things in your life. You have got to have your spiritual senses exercised. Because if you don't do that, and as it relates to what you hear, you can find yourself in a world of hurt. Brother, can you go to the next slide for me? I want to talk about gates to the inner man. Now look, when you got saved, understand this. You're a body, a soul, and a spirit. We've been through this before. And we're going to learn tonight about how each one of these uh, components of who you are corresponds with a part of music, a composition or an element of music, if you will. All right. But I want to say this much. I'll start here. You've got two natures. You've got the old man, the new man. All right. And your flesh is constantly going against the spirit of God in your life. 
When you got saved, God did not take your human spirit away. All he did is he gave that human spirit life through the new birth, through the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Ye who were dead in trespasses and says, but now you're made alive. Thank God for that. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of regeneration is what the Bible calls him, comes in, and when he does that, he gives your human spirit a life that was not there before to connect with God. All right? But he does not override or take over your spirit. Does that make sense? He allows your human spirit to still make decisions. And you either submit to the Spirit of God or you submit to the old man. And so there's this constant battle going on. And understand that emotions can operate in both those natures. Have you ever come to church and you hear a song, you, hear, you sing a hymn, and man, all of a sudden you were depressed, you were upset, you're going through a problem. You come in, you, you, you shake someone's hand, they give you a hug, and then you start singing the songs and man, like, man, I feel good. This is good. Praise God. Amen. That's awesome. And then when you get down sometimes, you can turn the radio on. And boy, your mind goes back to 1985. And you think you're, you know, like, you're like, I'm going to go back in time. You know, I remember Susie from high school. And the music has power to make you think of all kinds of things. Are you with me so far? And, and so regardless of how it's used, the emotions, listen, you were emotional in both cases. One was spiritual, one was carnal. It is not so much that once you get saved, you have no emotions. But rather, now that you're saved, you need to submit your emotions to the Spirit of God. There's nothing, listen to me, nothing wrong with emotions. But if they're left unchecked and they're not submitted to God, you can make a mess of your life. How many times have you said, but I just feel like I need this? And then you get this, whatever this is, and you go, I don't want this. I don't need this. I wish I never had this. Right? All right? Don't, don't look at me, honey. Why are you looking at me right now? I saw you Oh, the donut. It was a donut, not her husband. I got it. I got it. But, but understand this. Your, your emotions, it's not the emotions that are a problem. It's whether they're submitted to God or not. And if you don't have your spiritual senses exercised, how do you do that? You have to go back and go, but what saith the scriptures? Uh, look back at Hebrews 5. Notice there, if you would, in verse 13. The problem is being unskillful in the word. When you don't know what the word of God says about something, it can mess you up. And so what you have to learn to do is, okay, I've got a problem with my finances. What does the Bible say about finances? Okay, I've got a problem with my marriage. What does the Bible say about marriage? Okay, I've got a problem with uh, uh, how I view uh, uh, relationships with the opposite gender. What does the Bible say about that? Uh, okay, I've got a problem. It doesn't matter what it is. You go back to the Word of God. So when we're talking about music, here's the typical response. I like it. I don't like it. Where's God in that? How do you measure the moral quality of this thing if you don't know how God looks at this thing. We've already been through this before. Music itself is a gift. It is something that God was created for God's pleasure. You are also here for God's pleasure, which means this. Whatever you got going on in your life musically should be for God's pleasure. It's not that complicated. That's pretty simple. All right? So we're not here to say all music is bad. I'm not even here to say only church music is good. We're going to learn along the way. There's some music that is not necessarily church music, and it's sound music. All right? Not, I, I want you to understand that. I'm just telling you, though, that oftentimes in our society today, here's the problem. The foundation for most people is uh, music has no moral quality. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Um, and I don't see what the big deal is. When you start with that foundation, it doesn't matter what the preacher says unless you get down to what the, the Bible is my authority, and if God says it, then I need to change. 
Until you get there, I could show you all the music. I could have a PhD in music come up here and teach you all the stuff that I'm about to show you later on, and it would not matter because that isn't the issue. It's not your education. It's your inspiration. That's the problem. It's you being willing to say, okay, Spirit of God, you're right. I'm wrong. I will change. Now, there's some gates that God puts in your life to protect the, the real you, the inner man. And when those gates are flung wide open, man, you can, you can really destroy. Now, let, me, let me put to you this. I want to flip the chart here. This is old school PowerPoint for those that are younger, right? This is, does anybody remember the, uh, the overhead projectors in school? The transparencies. Man, those were cool, weren't they? All right, so here's transparency slide number two, all right? So we're going to flip this and not knock anything off the wall because then I'll be in trouble, all right? So let me just say this. Here's what's at the center of you, all right, your heart. That's at the center. The issue tonight, in any area of your life, that's it. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Doesn't matter what the issue is, lust, heart. Men that are gripped with pornography, you know what the problem is? You have convinced yourself that's going to fulfill you, and it never will. Right? It, it's a heart issue. It's, there's deceit. There's something going on buried deep within there that nobody else can see that causes the issue in your life. All right? When you look at another Christian, you go, yeah, but I don't have their problem. We call that pride. It's an issue of the heart. All the issues in your life go back to this. But let me ask you a question. How does stuff get in there? Now, there are two main paths of entry into that area. Your, your eyes, what you're looking at. You know what David says? I put no wicked thing before mine eyes. You know, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. That I, why should I then think upon a maid? We're going to keep it PG. Can you guys, maybe it's old school language, but can you guys figure out what he's talking about there? Yeah. All right. So, so the eye is something that God gives you to, you ever wake up in the morning and just watch the sunrise? No. Stayed up till 1 a.m. I'm too tired to get up and watch the sunrise. All right? Well, you ought to get up and watch the sunrise. It's good for you. When you watch that big old orange ball of fire rise up in the sky on the horizon, and you see those birds flying through there, and you just go, man, this did not happen by accident. That's amazing, isn't it? When you watch somebody walk down an aisle and say, can I know how to be saved? And you get to watch that with your eyes. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome, isn't it? But those same eyes that God gives you to behold the most glorious things in this life can also look at things that God never intended your eyes to see. Can I say this? Some of you think when I say it's always about lust. Can can I also say God never intended for you to watch 20 videos a day of people fighting randomly? Or, you know, watch this cop getting shot or some other stupid thing that you might... Don't don't allow your eyes... That is an entryway into your heart and you're putting stuff in there constantly and some of it doesn't need to go in there. Because it will defile your heart. There's another entryway, in, and it is your ear. And those are gates that God puts in your eye. Let, let's go through some scripture about your heart, though. Before we talk more about music, let's do that. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Some of these verses, some of you can quote. Praise God for that. And I, I learned a long time ago, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I don't care if you can quote it, can you live it? I'm glad that you can quote it, but are you living by it is more important. Look at Proverbs 23, verse... Now, I, I'm, I have met a lot of people in my lifetime that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but when it comes to just practical life, it's almost like they have no stinking common spiritual sense. 
How do you read a book that gives you all the direction in your life unless you're cherry picking and wanting? I mean, listen, I've met people like, man, did you know the Illuminati's mentioned the Bible and the trilateral unit? And the, did you know that the, the unilateral commission? And did you know that? Look, man, maybe it is, but you're not paying your bills. You've got a problem. You understand what I'm talking about? Like you're an expert in stuff that's way out there. And look, you can't deal with your children. Maybe you come back to earth with the rest of us and get in your Bible and learn what it says you practically where you're at. Here's, here's some verses. Uh, look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I can figure out what you're thinking, I know who you are. I can't do that, though. But you know who can? The Lord. I could go down and go, what you thinking, Leonard? What you thinking? Stay, no, no, look up. Let's look at it. Okay. I'm kind of seeing it. I'm an iridologist. I'm looking at the pupils, and I'm starting to, I, don't, I can't do that. But you know who can? The Lord can. But here's what I know. Whatever it is, that, not what you're saying, but what you're thinking down in here, that's who you are. The problem, listen to me, the problem in your life is not what you're doing. It's who you are. The reason someone goes to hell is not because of what they've done, it's because of who they are. They're a sinner without Jesus Christ. And when someone gets saved, the issues in your life that continue even after salvation, listen, I wish I could tell you, you get saved and all your problems go away, you don't sin anymore, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? It'd be awesome. It's not how it works, all right? You are in this body, so you need to understand this. The issues in your life go back to what you think about in here. So the heart's very important. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. Jesus is trying to describe what it's going to be like after he dies and what's going to happen. And, and he points to an Old Testament character in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jonah by name. Look what he says here in Matthew 12, verse number 40. Now, now, before we read the verse, remember what the Bible says about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible said that he which um, ascended, all right, that means he went up, first also descended into the what? The lower parts of the earth. He went down into the center of the earth. You see what he do there? He preached to the spirits that were in prison. That's what the Bible says. So when he went there, he preached to those, and then he came up, and the Bible says he led captivity captive. So we know that he went down to the center. Jewel Verne, was that the guy that wrote, you know, center, you know, journey to the center of the earth? Jesus Christ did that already, all right? And it was much more fascinating than, anybody, than anything that anybody else could write about. But you know what he did? He went to the heart of the earth. He went to the center of the earth. Look at the language in verse 40, Matthew 12, verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, right? So the Son of Man be in the, the, the what? the heart of the earth. So when he says the heart, it's the center of something. I want you to get a hold of that because the center of who you are is your, that's what God describes as your heart. When there are, are any, issue in your, any issue you're facing in your life today, it goes back to what is going on in here. If, if you don't realize the magnitude of the heart, all right, think about this. Over there in um, Acts chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, you know what it says in Acts 5 where Peter is talking to Ananias? Why has Satan filled thine heart to do what? To lie to the Holy Ghost. 
Do you know why Ananias lied about that? Because he allowed something, a transaction, to go on in his heart where he convinced himself it doesn't matter as long as nobody else finds out. It was a matter of deceit instead of submitting that to God. When you get into trouble in your life, there's stuff going on in here that you go, as long as nobody finds out. 90% of the time, they're going to find out anyways. And even if they don't, God knows. So the center of your being is your heart. That's what God says according to his word. Look at uh, same chapter. Look at verse number 34. Oh, generation of vipers. You're talking about, you know, uh, um, cleaning your hands and keeping things clean on the outside. Look at this in verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So you know what's going on? Let me, let me show you the circle. That, this is the cycle that's going on. Stuff is coming in here, and stuff is coming in here. And it's going over here, and you're thinking about it, and you're developing motives, and those motives eventually turn into words, and those words eventually turn into actions. And you know what eventually happens? You act on those things, and they come out of your mouth, and before you know it, you're living a life that God never intended you to, even as a saved person. Why? In part, because of what you're bringing in here. Now listen, I want to give you, um, let, let's be fair about this. You could go and live in a monastery and don't listen to any music, don't watch any TV, be separated from the rest of the world. Your heart is still deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It's already there. Why would you make it worse? By bringing things into it that are eventually going to defile you and come out. Jesus says it's not, it's not so much the things that, uh, uh, talking about food and, and cleanliness and hygiene, you know, back in COVID when everything's, you know, really the height of COVID, you go anywhere and, you know, you put your, you know, this on, you know, and, you know, drink it, you know, and, you know, put some holy hygiene, you know, holy uh, 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 sanitizer on everything, you know, around you, you know. It's funny now going around to places where they still have those machines up, no one's using them. I'm like, germs are gone now? Are germs all gone? I mean, it was all about washing your hands. You know, sorry, I'm just going to go off for a moment. I, I love how for years you, you existed, and all of a sudden you're a 41-year-old male, and they're like, you need to wash your hands under hot water for 30 seconds. Count, count to 30. <laughs> Did, were you guys not washing your hands before? I'm just wondering. <laughs> but you know what Jesus said? Jesus says, look, it's not that, that's not what defiles you. What defiles you is spiritual in nature. It's emotional in nature. And when you don't have the right gates up, you're in trouble. Look at Proverbs 23. Go back to the Old Testament one more time. Proverbs chapter 23. Solomon writes the book of Proverbs as a book of wisdom from himself to his son. But every once in a while, you get a glimpse of God the Father speaking to us as his children. And this is one of those examples. Look at Proverbs 23. And in Proverbs 23, look if you would toward the end of the chapter. Proverbs 23, verse number 26. My son, give me thy wallet. Is that what it says? Some of you are like, I wish I could do that with my kids, you know. Uh, my son, give me thy, you might, you might put this in there, give me thy phone. <laughs> but you know what he says? Give me thine what? Because God knows if he has your heart, he has you. He doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about your wallet and about your schedule and about your calendar and about your hobbies and about what you're listening to because he has your heart. The issue is the heart. Uh, let me say this. Go two chapters over. Proverbs 25. When you don't have your heart 
in God's hands. In other words, you're not submitting yourself and your emotions and, and, and subjecting your thoughts and your hobbies and your habits to the Spirit of God. And, and just one of these areas is what you listen to, absolutely. Then you know what you're like? You're like a city that has no walls. Look at Proverbs 25 and verse number 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You know what that means? When you've got no control over yourself, the reason that is is because everything's coming in and there's no guard. There's no gatekeeper. And you know what the Holy Spirit's going, listen, I want to be the gatekeeper, but you got to let me do my job. <laughs> when I start saying, hey, I don't want you looking at that. When I, when I start saying, I don't want you to think about that. When I start saying, listen, you don't need to listen to that anymore. That's part of the old life. Let's change it. Let's do something different with what's coming in. And you don't listen you're asking for trouble, <laughs> spiritually and emotionally. You are breaking down the defenses that God de- de- uh, desires for your life. And you may go, well, I can handle it. Maybe today. What about tomorrow? You know what Samson did? He could handle it until he couldn't. Because every day she came after him more. Uh, you don't love me. You don't love me. You don't love me. You don't love me. You don't... And eventually those defenses go down. And when those defenses go down in your life, you no longer notice what's coming in. And it's just coming in. And before you know it, those things that are coming in are, are speaking to your heart. And you have to understand that there's, there's spiritual things going on there. And not every spirit is of God. There are many spirits in the world, the Bible says. And some of those spirits are working in your life to take things that don't belong there and plant them in there to get you to go in the wrong direction. See, what are you saying? I'm saying listen to the Spirit of God in your life and you need to learn to put some gates up. You need to learn to have some discernment about what is right and what is wrong with what's coming in here. Uh, Brother, if you go to the next slide, can can I give you this illustration? Go to 2 Samuel chapter 15, all right? And I know this is really cute. You stole my heart. Oh, you stole my heart. Isn't that cute? You know, Valentine's Day, you sure to steal my heart, baby. I love you so much. All right, but, 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 but I'll, I'll say this. There are some things that should not steal your heart. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to get you. You understand this. That in your heart, there's, there's only one throne. And either you're sitting on it or the Lord Jesus is. And in that heart, you only have room for one, for one, one ruler. All right? And when that heart is moved and you give that heart away, you know what? Look, it may seem cheesy to some of you, but you know what I told my daughters? I told them, look, I'm here to protect you. And until we time the right guy comes along, don't give your heart away. Dad's going to help you with that. Dad wants to help you with your heart because that's my job. And, and that's why if anyone ever wants to know, why does your dad say we can't text? Because you're not going to marry her. You don't need to be talking to her. Some of you are like, well, that's a little fierce. What's wrong with you? You, you know why? Okay, let me, okay, t- time out. Poll. How many of you girls have had your heart broken by a guy? Raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't be bashful. Don't you dare not keep, put that thing up. I know better. All right. All over the room. You know in part, you know in part why that is? Partly. Because oftentimes your emotions got ahead of you. And the defenses came down and something was stolen. All right, that doesn't mean the guy's always an evil, bad, well, actually it does, all, all the guys are bad, they're all bad until you're about 45, okay, just remember that, all right, but your, your heart, 
your heart can be stolen and you can give it away. And your heart belongs to God once you're saved. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. You go, Pastor, how come we're not talking about music? We're going to get to it. I told you this ain't just about music, though. It's about you. You see, the stuff that you have surrounding in your life that's always around you, that's a reflection of the real you. All right? So, so go to 2 Samuel chapter 15. You say, what happens here? David is supposed to be the king. You know David's a picture of Jesus. He's the king God de- de- desires to be on the throne. But look what happens in 2 Samuel 15. There's a man named Absalom who is, listen to me, a child of the king, and he tries to take the throne. Are you getting the analogy yet? Sometimes you can be your own worst enemy where you try to climb on a throne that God never intended you to sit on. And God says, no, that's my place. All right, but look what happens in verse number uh, six. Or I'm sorry, go back to verse number uh, uh, two. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, of what city art thou? Because I really care about you. And he said, thy servant is one of, the, uh, of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said, said unto him, see, thy matters are good and right. You see how your heart will tell you you're always right? But there's no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And if only, listen, if only the king cared about you like I do. If only God cared about you, right? See, that, that's what's working there. Look what happens in verse number five. Or verse four, Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge... I mean, I don't want to take the king's job, but I, there's no one doing it. And, you know, if, if, if I can call to be of service and I want to be of service, you know, I, I'm just here to help. And, I mean, no one else is doing it, so here I am. I'll sacrifice. I'll take the job. Do you guys see the, ooh, the nastiness rolling off this guy? All right, look, look what happens here in, in verse number four. That I were made a judge in the land that every man which hath any suit or cause might come to me and I would do him justice. And it was so when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. That's how you know something's wrong here. Amen? Yeah. Verse number six, and on this manner, look at this, did Absalom know all Israel that came to the king for judgment? So Absalom did what? How'd he do it? By telling them what they wanted to hear. You know your heart's really good about? Telling you what you want to hear. Before you know it, something has stolen your heart. It's no longer in God's hand. And so when the preacher gets up and says, hey, let's talk about music, you're like, why? What's wrong with my music? It's not about your music, it's about God's music. You realize these kids that are here? I mean, uh, as of December 22nd, <laughs> you're mine. All right? You, you know what, though? All of my children, do you know what they are? They're God's. Children are in heritage of the Lord. God is giving you the ability to hear and to see, most of you. And you understand, you're going to be accountable for that. You're going to be accountable for the things that come in here and that eventually go down in here, that eventually come right back up and go out of here and eventually cause you to do this and go in a certain direction in your life. If you think there's no consequence based on what's coming in here, you're sorely mistaken. These people, how did they give the kingdom after David fought for them several battles, killed the giant, all that stuff? David was the man that God wanted on that throne. How did the nation turn their entire uh, 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 ideology and go from David being the right king to, no, we want this guy to rule over us? It was done with words they were listening to. You're going to tell me that things you listen to don't have an effect on you? They absolutely do. Absolutely. 
right? And I'm not just talking about music. I'm talking about everything in your life. Music is just one of those areas. But you have to learn to say, you have to learn to understand that if you don't discern things the right way, but if you go to the next slide, you'll you'll hear things and not hear what God is wanting you to hear. The illustration we gave last week was Moses comes off that mountain and and Joshua's like, there's a noise of war. And Moses is like, nobody, that's a party. Joshua didn't have his spiritual senses quite exercised like Moses did. When you get your spiritual senses exercised, you can hear things that you didn't hear before. All right? You can see things. I'm not talking about some, ooh, you know, I see a sixth dimension or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about seeing things the way God sees them and hearing thing, things like God hears them. All right? And, and the Bible says, listen, in 1 Samuel 3, God came and spoke to Samuel, and Eli, listen to me, never heard it. You ever, you ever wonder why someone comes to church and they go, man, this is what I got out of that. Look what God did in my life. And I, the Lord told me about this, and I'm going to change this, and I'm going to do this. And someone else is like, I don't get it. Same service. Same preacher. You say, what's the difference? Same Spirit of God. Same book. What's the difference? Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. And if your spiritual senses aren't exercised and they're not disciplined, you will not hear what you ought to. Brother, if you go to the next slide, let me just say, ask this question. What kind of person are you? You say, well, I'm a man. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a man. I, I don't necessarily mean that. I mean from, from God's perspective. Look, when it, when it comes down to it, all right, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, the Bible calls you a natural man. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 real quickly with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And anything I could say about this subject will mean absolutely nothing whatsoever because if you're lost, it ain't going to make any sense anyways. And, and it's just not going to really, it will not be relevant to your life. Once you get saved, however, this stuff starts to make a difference and you see it a little bit differently. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 2. Um, Brother uh, James, you got it? All right, could you read verse 14 really nice and loudly for us? Okay, now listen, there's a couple key things there. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. If you are lost without Jesus Christ, you know what you don't have? You don't have a living spirit inside of you. And so you know what you are? You're basically just natural. If it appeals to the senses, you want it. And there's no really, there's no compass. There's nothing else in you saying, outside of your conscience, you don't have the Spirit of God saying, this is why this will be a spiritual catastrophe in your life. I could pick on anyone that got saved in the last couple of years. I could ask Brother Jose, are there not some things, Brother Jose? This Jose, and that, you guys both doing the mustache thing. I like it. It's looking good. But <laughs> this Jose, with, without the, the one that doesn't look like a policeman, all right, that Jose, all right. Br- brother, would you not say there's been some things in your life that maybe a year and a half ago you go, ah, I would have thought they're not a big deal. And now I'm like, it's a big deal, yeah. right? Why is that? The Spirit of God. There's life there that wasn't there before. If you're lost, you are a natural man. Now, look at what it says at the end of the verse. Because the things of God are spiritually what? Bingo. Being able to tell what's right from wrong. The things of God bring, listen to me, spiritual discernment with them. 
So when you get saved, the idea is this, and if you go through the passage, uh, I think in verse 15, maybe it talks about he which is a spiritual judge of all things. Uh, Somewhere in that passage talks about a spiritual man. And then in the very next chapter, chapter three, it talks about the carnal man. So you've got a natural man, you've got a spiritual man, you've got a carnal man. If you're lost, you're here. The moment you get saved, you're spiritual for like five minutes, amen? Amen. And, And then you get your flesh you're battling with again. And listen, I would say this, between these two, it is a moment, I won't say day by day, it is a moment by moment battle, whether you are carnal or spiritual. And you can go from one or the other just like that. Man, you could be in church and think about something and God's dealing with you, and all of a sudden someone someone says something, and and, and all of a sudden it, it triggers your mind and you're going somewhere, and within a couple of seconds you go from spiritual to carnal just like that. Am I right about that? All right? So it's a moment by moment thing. But listen, if you're going to be spiritual, he which is spiritual judgeth all things. There's an element of discernment that comes into play once you're not just saved, but walking in the Spirit. Now look, you could be saying to me, this guy right here, carnal, carne, fleshy, just doing whatever you want. You know, I'll make my own decisions. I'll I'll have my own measurements. I'll judge things the way I feel like. Uh, If I think I like it, then I'll do it. If I don't, then I won't. No one's going to tell me. The Bible's not going to tell me. The preacher's not going to tell me. I'll just do it. Okay, that's fine. You can be just as saved as this guy and be carnal. But you're going to miss out on everything God wants for your life. And when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you'll be bankrupt. You don't want that. So, So the Bible says, He which is spiritual judgeth all things. Well, look, when it comes to who is spiritual and who is carnal, how, how do you determine that? Well, the Bible talks about the spirit and the mind and the body. And if you're spiritual, it goes in that order. But you know what happens when you're carnal? This goes first. It's whatever my flesh wants, I'm going to do it. If I want to think about it, I'll think about it. If Listen, there's nothing spiritual about when you come to church and walk. Listen, I, there's two kinds of people that walk into a room. One walks in and goes, uh, great, I'm here. It's like a cat. You ever watch a cat? Right? And then there's a dog. <laughs> you know what that dog's doing? The dog's going, well, I must worship you, master. Where have you gone? And the cat walks in the room. And the cat's like, that's why cats are the devil, man. The cat walks in the room. And the cat's like, well, I'm God. I'm here. Worship me. I mean, that's what the cat. The, listen, when you walk into church and you're like, no one shook my hand. Why are you thinking that way? There's nothing spiritual about that. You know what that is? That's carnality. That's you thinking of you first. Right? So, so what happens is this. If you're spiritual, the Spirit of God comes first. The flesh comes last. When you're carnal, this comes first, and the Spirit comes last. And that's all it is. Uh, someone recently asked me, and I think it's worth mentioning again, what makes you spiritual? Doing what you don't want to do when God said to do it. Amen. <laughs> That'll help make you spiritual. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Go there with me if you would, brother, if you go to the next slide. I'm going to try to make up for some lost ground and... We'll wrap it up here in the next five or so minutes, but Ephesians chapter 5. And again, if you are exercising your spiritual senses as you ought, what you do is you go, okay, I'm not just going to ask myself, do I like it? Or is it convenient? 
I'm going to ask myself, what does God think about this? And Lord, I want to align myself as best as I can. I may not even always know how to do that. If I have to ask someone else who's been doing this longer than me, I might do that. I'll pray. I'll get down and read my Bible. I'll do something, but I'm not just going to keep living my life doing what I want without an autopilot mode with the flesh sitting there flying the plane. I want the Lord to do this in my life now. And that's what helps you move in the, in the right direction in your life. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. If you're going to do that, you have to learn to prove. If, if you say to yourself, I don't, I, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Well, okay. But can I, can I say this? You're, you're missing it. You're missing it. I, I, I love it when someone goes, no one can judge me but God. I'm like, you idiot, he's going to. So maybe you should change. No one can judge me but God. First off, that's not even a true statement. You know that? Every time you open your mouth, you're making a judgment about something. If you say you like Coke versus Pepsi, that's a judgment. Do you understand that? When you stop at the red light, you just judge that that light was red, not green. That's a judgment. When you say, you're judging me, you just made a judgment about someone judging you. Do you understand that? People don't get that. Like, I just think you Christians are so judgmental. You just judge me for being a Christian. You don't know who I am. Do you understand? That's a judgment. So it's not a matter of judging. It's about judging spiritually and righteously, which is what Jesus says. Uh, he says, look, you need to judge righteous judgment. He which is spiritual judgeth all things. You need to prove things in your life to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to prove that in my life the relationship I'm in, the habits that I have, the hobbies that I have, the words that I'm speaking, the, the mental places I'm going to, the things that I'm thinking about, and the relationships I have. Lord, they are acceptable in your sight. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number... Uh, go back a little bit. Let's go back to verse 16 redeeming the time you know what that means buying it back brother ben said this for many uh he's said it many times and i don't mean to pick on him but he said you know i lived for the devil and myself for years i've got some time to make up i want to live for god as much as i can right now i appreciate that that's a good outlook that's a good outlook uh redeeming the time because the days are evil now look what it says in verse 17 you know what an unwise christian does they have no desire to know god's will for their life no desire look you may think this is stupid and has no bearing on the conversation whatsoever, and that's fine. Free country, but I'm preaching right now, so here we go. When you tell your kids God is first, and then what they learn when they get to high school with sports is first, you're lying. Okay? And, and what you end up doing is you miss the will of God. Because you're not walking in the Spirit, so you're not getting what God wants for your life. Look, if you would, at verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. In other words, don't put stuff. People say all the time, is smoking weed a sin? Quit asking that question. Here's a better question. Will smoking weed help me to be a better Christian? If you're still wondering, the answer is no. So I can tell somebody like, well, I wouldn't be as annoyed with people. I'd be more charitable because I wouldn't notice him as much. Yeah, but that's not where we're going tonight. You understand what I mean? You bring things in your life. You have to ask yourself, is this going to give me more control of my flesh or will my flesh be out of control? Will I have more control of the senses so I can submit them to God or less control? Are you with me right now? That's why he says all this stuff in chapter 5. All right. Now look at verse number uh, 18. Be not drunk with unwisdom and excess, but be filled with... The Spirit. You know what the automatic thing is when you're filled with the Spirit? Look at the next verse. 
Music shows up. You see that? You can't tell me there's no moral quality to music. Absolutely not. You're lying to yourself. When you see that, that when someone is filled with the Spirit, the next thing that happens is there's joy associated with that. Singing I go along life's road, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. Singing I go along life's road, for Jesus has lifted my Lord. You, you know, any religion that tells people they can't sing is the wrong religion. There's a natural response. When people get happy, they do that. All right? Now, when you're submitted to the Spirit of God, you know what it is? Look at verse 19. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, now notice what he says here at the end of the verse. And making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, brother, if you go to the next slide, let me, let me point something out about this because you're going to find over and over in nature the idea of a trinity. The sun has light rays. You can see those rays. Heat rays, you can feel those rays. Actinic rays, you can't feel them and you can't see them, but they're there. Actinic points us to God the Father. Those heat rays point us to the Spirit of God. You feel a moving in your life at times. And that light ray points you to the sun, S-O-N-S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness. I am the light of the world. All through nature, you see that over and over. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. So when you look at music, do you know how it breaks down? Shocker, three parts. You know what it is? Melody. That's the most important part. That's why he says making melody. You know what melody is? It is order. When you're going, some of you are like, yeah, I know that song. All right. Where's the stinking melody? Man, you're all over the place. You know what melody is? It brings structure. That's why, listen to me, some of you when you come to church are like, these songs are boring. When you first come. After a while, I'm not trying to pick on you. When you first came to church, did you not think that? <laughs> he said I might have. Maybe he can't remember. That's fine. But I, I'll tell you this. A lot of people come to church, and when they first hear hymns, they're like, well, they look like they live from this century, and they drove here in cars, but I don't understand. Do you know why that is? Because the most critical part, the, the thing that's leading that song is the melody. It isn't the, come on, check your body, let's do that conga, feeling the rhythm, getting strong, come It isn't the rhythm. Rhythm is gonna get you, rhythm is gonna. Okay. Listen, you need rhythm. <laughs> God bless you. I remember when I was in Bible school. When I was in Bible school, there was this guy, Brent Lawson's watching this, we're friends. I remember, I'll never forget, he just couldn't get the, we took evangelistic song leading class. And by the way, I'm going to show you something in your hymnal in just a moment. In those numbers at the beginning of the songs, the 4-4 four, four, and the 3-4 and the 6-8, they actually mean something. They're not just there for, for like decorations, like a little garnish on the song, all right? Well, there, there's a beat, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. That's rhythm. Rhythm's not bad. Br- poor Brent Lawson. He gets up there and he's like, and, and Dr. Upton's sitting there and go, oh man, oh man. 
And he finally gets behind him. I'm just gonna, you're going to have to, you know, you, you can, you're a good sport. Come here, come here, come here. You're Brent Lawson, okay? And let's just turn around and say you're trying to do this thing with your arms. And Dr. Upman, he's a shrimp behind Brent. He comes up behind him and goes, no, man, you're doing it wrong, man. Do it like this, man. And poor, and poor Brent, I mean, he's just like, uh, he couldn't, he just could never get it. But maybe he has now. Bro, brother, if you got it now, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, rhythm's not bad. Rhythm's not bad. You need rhythm. If, listen, if there's no body, you know what rhythm is? It's, it comes from an old, I think it might be Latin word. No, it's Greek word. It has to do with the pulse. Pulse. Pulse, right? The life of the flesh is in the blood. Pulse. You've got to have a heartbeat. No heartbeat, you're dead. All right? Music with no rhythm is dead. So we're not advocating for no rhythm. But what should be leading it? Should it be the part that is most closely associated with the flesh? Should that be the most prominent thing? No, it should not. When that's the most prominent thing, you're asking for trouble. Most modern music today, that's it. Now look, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. And if you like this, don't walk out here all offended. It's from my own people. There's a guy named Bad Bunny. And I heard him at the Thanksgiving parade a couple years ago. No, 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 no. I was like, what is he saying? And I don't think he knows what he's singing. It was awful. Now, if you like it, God bless you. That's fine. There was rhythm there, but boy, when it came to the melody, I couldn't find it. All right? Now, now the point is this. The melody should be the thing that leads it. Now, you know what harmony is? Harmony is something that's beautiful, that ministers to you, because it is not leading the song, but it's accompanying the song. And with that accompaniment, matching with the melody, with that being the leadership, and the rhythm being in the background, not the thing out in the front. You ever met those people that you know, like, you don't belong in the front right now? Like half of people on social media right now. Everyone thinks they have a platform because you have a platform you should say something. Sometimes we don't want to hear from you. All right? But, but that is, that's kind of how rhythm is. If rhythm is leading the music and that's the most prominent thing, you know I know it is? Because some of you can't even tell me the words from your favorite song, but you know the beat. Am I right? All right, so look, we're not advocating no rhythm. But I'll tell you this, if you have too much, what happens if you have no rhythm? You're dead. What happens if you have too much? You're dead. Cardiac arrest is, I think, what they call that. All right, so, so there's a balance to it. Do you understand? The Bible says, in, look at Proverbs 11 real quick. Look at Proverbs 11. Let me ask you a question. Go to the next slide, bro. Who here likes salt in their food? Anybody? I do. You ever been to a restaurant and you're like, man, there's, there's, no, there's no seasoning. Where are the flavors? Where are the spices? Right? There's just nothing there. And it's just bland. All right? Um, I don't know. I've never really tried it. But people tell me British food is that way. I'm not sure. Um, but I think the real reason for the Revolutionary War was if you had to eat chickpeas every day, I mean, ugh, come on, man. Um, look at Proverbs chapter 11, look at verse 1, read it, Proverbs 11, 1, a false what? Balance. Balance. Let me ask you a question, should, should salt make up 75% of your meal? I mean, it should be way, way lower. My dad, God bless him, love him to death, he'll get pizza and he'll put salt on it. He'll get food that he just seasoned for hours. And then after he did all the seasoning, which is like perfection to me, 
Where's the salt? Where's that? Put some more salt. And I'm like, Dad, you're going to... I don't know why I have these kidney stones. I think I know why, Dad. You know, he's like, no, it was Agent Orange. Like, Dad, no, I don't think it was Agent Orange. It was salt. You put too much salt and stuff, it'll hurt you. You're listening to what I'm saying? Uh, rhythm should not lead. Rhythm should be in the background. Can you play that for me? heart doesn't beat that way. It's an unnatural rhythm. Somebody that used to go to the clubs back and they're like, oh, oh preacher, that wasn't me. I was. <laughs> now, maybe you could recite some of the words, but even if you don't know the words, some of you have heard that song before, you know, you hear that beat? That's excessive rhythm. Are you catching that? That's the main part of the song. It doesn't matter what she's saying. You could not, if you took that song and go, every time I come to church, I feel him. Every time I come, I love the Bible. And every time I, it doesn't matter. If you put the right words to it, it still would be the song that it is. You understand that? You can't just throw a Christian lyric on it and make it Christian. Anybody, I mean, I mean, think about this. Um, I, I don't practice, you know, prostitution, just Christian prostitution. I don't smoke weed. I smoke Christian weed. You know, I mean, do you understand the, the, all right, br- Brother Joe, where are you at? Can you come up and help me out? Don't worry. We're not going to sing that song. I promise. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I can just see it now, man. That church down the side of the bank, talking about Christian prostitution. I don't know about them. I don't know that one. <laughs> you know the song, right? All right. So you got, you got a mic on him? Can we get a mic on? Let's pull that over. What we're going to do is this. Um, I want you to, brother, I'll tell you what. First verse, why don't you do this? Um, you go ahead and sing it. Just the melody, Okay. And on the second verse, I'll sing a, he'll sing the melody, I'll sing the harmony. On the third verse, I'll sing the melody, he'll sing a different part in harmony. And look, I, I want you to understand that when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit and singing and me- making melody in your hearts to the Lord, this is what it's referring to, all right? Now, as you go ahead, brother, if you want to uh, play through it and sing it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the rhythm, okay? Watch my hand. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Scoffing rude in my place, condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Guilty. 
vile and helpless weak spotless lamb of god was he full atonement can it be hallelujah what a savior now maybe you don't know parts and that doesn't matter but on the, on the second verse i'm singing tenor he's singing the melody on the third verse, I'm singing the melody. He's singing a baritone alto part there. Now, why did I do that? I want you to see that good music has those three components in it. There is rhythm. There is melody. There's harmony. But the leading thing is not the rhythm. Do you guys get that? The, the, the rhythm is there to keep you on track. It's not there to drive you. It's really a contrast between the Spirit of God and the spirit of the world, the spirit of the, de- of the devil. The spirit of the world goes, go, 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 go. The spirit of God goes, calm down, follow me. Amen. Right? And, and so it, it's not just, see, you think it's just like, well, pastor likes this music and he's just old and I, no. You want to be honest with you? There's music that I like. <laughs> That's not good for me. You say, why? It takes me to places I don't need to go. But I like it. But oftentimes what's driving that isn't the melody. <laughs> Matter of fact, you, let, me, let me give you this. Does your Bible have a beginning? Does your Bible have an ending? All right. Do you know, like, I don't want you to play it again, but do you know how most of those techno songs end? They fade it out. You know why? There's no end. There's no crescendo. It just keeps going and going. So you have to do, you have to fade it out to end it. This book doesn't fade. The Spirit of God doesn't fade. I hope I gave you some things to think about. We're not going to have an altar call. I pray the Lord helped you. with just, just change your perspective. Just give you a little bit of more of an open mind and heart when it comes to this topic. And maybe when you get in your car, go, Lord, do you like this? What's leading this? Is it, is, it, is it something that really matches my flesh more? Or is it something that matches the Spirit of God? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the study time. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to delve into the Word of God, Lord, and just check ourselves and check our spirits and check our minds and check our hearts. And Lord, I, I pray that you would, uh, as we leave this place, Lord, let our minds and hearts be centered on you. Lord, I, I pray that... that not just in the area of music, Lord, it's just one small area that represents the bigger picture, which is our heart, God. But, Lord, that as, as we leave this place, that our heart, or the thing that you said you wanted. And, Lord, I don't understand that. My heart's deceitful, it's wicked, and you want it. Or I'm convinced you want it because you think you can do something good with it. And I believe you're right. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you'd help your people tonight, Lord. The places and the things that have been consuming their hearts, God, would you help them to give those things to you and give their hearts to you? And Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, that our heart Lord, would, would turn towards you. And Lord, as a result, turn towards serving others. Lord, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Lord, reaching sinners with a message of hope and forgiveness. 
And Lord, as it relates to the body of Christ, Lord, that our heart would be turned towards it and your people. Lord, uh, the idea of me first <laughs> and everybody else last, Lord, that that would be out. And Lord, that it might be a spirit of service. Lord, again, just pointing back to the heart. God help us. We love you. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for coming tonight. And. Uh,